uh, Amirati, I'm pretty impressed with the, um, the kid on the Cowboys. Did you see this kid, Turpentine? Turpin? Absolutely. <laughs> Turpin time, baby. Turpin. Cavante Turpin. Oh, two man, two big kid. returns. Unbelievable, that kid. Wow. I really enjoyed watching him. He was yeah, great. Sure. Here we go. Ahead. Where are we going with this? <laughs> There's nothing about the Cowboys you enjoy watching, no. trust me. Oh, man. Well, live from Studio 6B, getting the week started. Big show tonight, 8.30. John Solomon joins us. And, uh, well, let's just say it's going to be an interesting 15 minutes. Mr. Solomon might be breaking some news here tonight. After he breaks it on just the news, he's going to come here and talk about it first, which we're always excited to do. Uh, Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's here. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Uh, Mr. Emirati, how was your uh, weekend? Fantastic. Always very quick, but it was great. Boy, a lot of sports action. Big upset in the MMA. We'll get to that a little bit later. Oh, yes, it was. Ooh. I watched every second. Uh, Rick Delgado, how are you? I am well, thank you. How was your weekend? Very uh, quiet and, and and very little stress. Awesome. Very, okay, very good. That's, yeah. uh, Big D, how was your weekend? Sounds good. Uh, my weekend was filled with, um, <laughs> well, did you guys make a bet on that fight? No, no. Oh. I had my German in-laws here from Germany. Oh boy. Seven of them. Plus my, well, not my, my in-laws were there too, but, uh, just, it was about a house full of about 17 did you on have, like, Saturday schnitzel all weekend long for the, for the full <laughs> German experience. Yes. And it was, uh, outrageous. Couple of beers. <laughs> but man, I tell you, I just can't hang like I used to when I was even 40s. Midnight, I'm like, I'm <laughs> I gotta go to bed. You know what? Just a couple <laughs> months ago, here. just a couple months ago, this this baboon turns 50, and all of a sudden, his whole life is changed. He's he's making references all oh, to my 40s. Oh, remember the good old days, <laughs> my 40s. Just a few months ago, you. Je- yeah. yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know what <laughs> to tell you. 40s. At 12 o'clock, I want to go to bed. I just, they all can stay. You all can stay and have a good time. There's the hot tub. There's the pool. Just have a grand time. I'm out of here. You didn't I'm going put to bed. On- you didn't have the leader hosing on and, you know, kind of drink out of a stein with him? No, Come on. No, no, so. I've seen Chevy Chase. Instead yep. of the bra house, it's the blah house with Damon. <laughs> um, it was good, though. It was good. So, good weekend. Um, lots to cover tonight. John Solomon will be here at 830. And, um, well, let's just say this. We, we, have been, we have been on this from the night it happened. Um with this Marlago raid on the president. And the president filed today in the Southern District of Florida a motion for judicial oversight and additional relief. And there's some very good things in this filing. And I don't want to go through word for word because I'll post it and you should and could read it. And I would say should read it. Uh, but just to go through, I want to get to segment segment three of it, where it talks about the Fourth Amendment, because we've talked, we've spoken a little bit about that. Um, but it basically starts section one introduction. Basically says politics cannot be allowed to impact the administration of justice. Right off the bat, President Donald Trump is the clear front runner in the 2024 Republican presidential primary, and in the 2024 general election, shouldn't. Should he decide to run? Beyond that, his endorsement in the 2022 midterm elections has been decisive. So on August 8th, in a shockingly aggressive move, and with no understanding of the distress that would have caused most Americans, roughly two dozen special agents of the Federal Bureau of Investigations directed by the attorneys of the U.S. Department of Justice raided the home of President Donald Trump. 
And they go on to talk about, um, you know, why they think that was, what the claims are. And then they ask some questions, namely, why raid my home with a platoon of federal agents when I have voluntary, voluntarily cooperated with your every request? What are you trying to hide from the public, given that you requested that I turn off all my home security cameras and even refuse to allow my attorneys to observe what your agents were doing? And number three, why have you refused to tell me what you took from my home? Those are the three questions that are set out in segment one. And again, I'm not going to read all of segment one. Segment two is background. President Donald Trump's voluntary assistance, and it goes through some of the history of when the president left the White House, went home, and some of the National Archives and Record Administrations and how this all got started and how they came, received 15 boxes of documents. And it goes through a lot of what happened, a lot of the voluntary things that the president had referenced. If you remember, we drew attention that very first night, the president's statement about saying, even having already been cooperative, this is... This is what happens. Then it goes through application for search warrant. Despite the voluntary assistance provided by President Trump, the government took the unprecedented step of requesting a search warrant for his home. The government sought an expansive and intrusive search of President Trump's office, all storage rooms, and all other rooms or areas with the premises used or available to and used by President Trump and his staff in which boxes or documents could be stored. That's wording directly from the search warrant. Then there's a section C, the unprecedented search of President Trump's home. And they go through some of what's in the affidavit. And then they go through Attorney General Merrick Garland, his press conference, his five-minute said-nothing press conference. And they go through a couple of his statements and they react to that. Um... And then we get to segment three, which is where I want to jump to. And it says, this is where they say argument. The extraordinarily unusual conduct of the DOJ raises fundamental Fourth Amendment concerns. The Fourth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, which I just don't need to remind you, also protects you as well as it protects the president. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. The particularly describing part is where we should all be focused. Because if, if there's a case to be made on gross violation of the Fourth Amendment, I would assume it would be there, given where they went, what they did, the breadth of this search warrant and affidavit that they had to go in. And they say prior to any indictment and the availability of various grounds of suppression from evidence at trial, the mechanism that protects the rights of the individual from unreasonable searches and seizures is Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 41G. The rule specifically contemplates protecting the rights of citizens who have been aggrieved by an unlawful search and seizure of property. 
Even as the government has dug in against transparency in the instant matter, fighting release of the affidavit and claiming a redacted version would be worthless due to the need to hide the actual substance of the sworn statement, there are significant red flags that implicate President Trump's Fourth Amendment rights and cry out for judicial intervention by way of special master monitoring and discovery assistance. The warrant is factually overbroad. Permitting agents to seize boxes of documents merely because they are physically found together with boxes of other items purportedly within the scope of the warrant is clearly overbroad. As instructed by the Supreme Court in the 11th Circuit, the Fourth Amendment requires that those searches deemed necessary should be as limited as possible. So they go on a little bit on the Fourth Amendment, and again, how broad this was, how many places they went, all the things they took, going to Melania's closet, all of that. Uh, Moreover, boxes of personal documents, photographs, items such as clothing, are by definition not quote-unquote contraband and thus may not be lawfully seized. In fact, the search warrant's broad scope was clear violation of the Fourth Amendment's particularity requirement, and thus the warrant permitted a general search, prohibited as unconstitutional since red-coated soldiers created the need for the requirement in the first place. And so then they go on through, the government sought to improperly evade limitations on enforcing the Presidential Records Act. We told you from the start, this was not about the Presidential Records Act. The government's reckless pursuit of a search warrant implicates well-established bases for suppression under the Fourth Amendment. And they go through some things there. Um, And then they get into specific things in here and they reference other other investigations that are going on by the DOJ other criminal investigations which we have in this I'm not I'm making the the, the conclusion they didn't say this but we have talked about this um connection between the January 6th committee and their need to find something on the president anything at this point basically doing the dirty work here for the department of justice which is why we i believe at least that this affidavit will never see all of it because they stuffed it with things that they had no chance to prove on this fishing expedition they did going into marlago have you read any of this rick today no so this is the first i'm hearing it I mean, I've heard I've heard other things uh, in terms of, you know, seeing what's on uh, John Solomon's site about the uh, what do you call it? The um, special master that he's requested. Um, But I've not uh, heard it gone into such depth that you're reading right now. Well, that's what this filing is. It goes through fundamental fairness requires that this court appoint a special master Uh, goes through goes through all of that. Uh, the government must provide an informative receipt for property. They so he st- they they claim they still don't even know what they took. Uh, and then there's a con- and then obviously there's a conclusion. But they, there's some very specific points made in this. It's, it's actually not that long. It's about twenty or so, twenty seven pages. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it's clear that the particularity clause of the Fourth Amendment, there's no way you could argue it hasn't been violated. Well, yeah. There was nothing specific about this. Yeah, and that was that was something we pointed out last week, how, how when you read it, it says every room, every, you know, it's like every room lived in or visited, or something that where it's like, where it's like, well, that's basically every room in the house, where the, whether he went there with anything or not, whether he had been in the room, you know, in the last three months or not, it didn't matter. It basically said anywhere they wanted to go, which is far too wide. Yeah. Under controlling Supreme Court precedents, a search warrant violates a person's Fourth Amendment and is invalid if the uh, affidavit either makes material misstatements or makes a material omission. Did the DOJ mischaracterize or omit from its affidavit the true extent of the president's cooperation? Press reports by anonymous government sources raises this question. More on this filing from the president when we get back. John Solomon at 8.30 with some breaking news. Lots to do on a busy Monday night, live from Studio 6B. live from studio 6b now that it is officially broken on just the news let me give you the headline so you know what to expect in 13 minutes from now just the news headline just broke biden white house facilitated department of justice's criminal probe against donald trump oh scuttled privilege claims let me read it to you one more time for all the people who have argued that Merrick Garland may have not have signed off on this. He's kept an arm's distance from the White House. Joe Biden doesn't know what's going on. And whoever else, Susan Rice, Obama, whoever, I, I know the arguments about Joe Biden's not doing anything. I get it. This is more serious than joking around about that stuff at this point. It is clear that the White House has not only run this show, according to the little that I've been able to read, and John will explain it to me and you, since I don't even understand it yet. But clearly the White House has had a heavy hand in all of this from the start. And not only a heavy hand, but if I read this correctly, is really putting their their hand on, on, on tipping the scales here to really open the door for some kind of criminal charges against the president, almost just making sure any avenue that they could go down, they would facilitate for the Department of Justice. I mean, literally just breaking, so I'm giving you the headline. John will be on, again, at at the bottom of the hour to go through it all, and we'll ask the questions um, and try to understand it. But this is a huge deal. Wow. Biden White House facilitated DOJ's criminal probe against Trump scuttled privilege claims, meaning President Biden basically said if President Trump wants to claim executive privilege, that's not going to be acceptable. Basically what I read in the little that I read here to the National Archives. 
uh, there's a quote in here. White House Counsel's Office affirming a request from the Department of Justice supported by an FBI letterhead memorandum. The letter revealed Biden empowered the National Archives and Records Administration, which is, again, the Presidential Records Act where this whole thing started, to waive any claims to executive privilege that Trump might wage to block DOJ from gaining access to the documents. So more on that when John comes on at 8.30. Let's do a little sports. We'll do a little news. We'll get back to that. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D, let's get right to it. Preseason football, Monday night. We're just about three weeks away, inside three weeks to the start of the NFL season. But we have a preseason game at Met Get a Life Stadium in New Jersey. Right now, the Falcons just won up 3-0 over the Jets with about 11 minutes to go in the first. And just over the river, big one, Subway Series. Yankees and Mets. Yankees lead 2-0 in the top of the fifth. So uh, we will keep an eye on that. Braves and Pirates, 0 no score, and the Braves are looking to keep pace and catch the Mets as they're just a few games out of first. We'll get into the College Little League World Series a little bit later. I want to give an update on that, but let's get into the rodeo from the weekend. Slick Rick Rodeo Recap, annual world's oldest continuous rodeo. Pace in Arizona, the Pace and Multi-Event Center, bareback. Evan Bettany, 77 and a half points on Salt River Rodeos. Windy Whiskey, $726. Steer Wrestling, Cimarron Thompson, 4.9 seconds. Team Roping, Tom Riches and Seth Hall, 5.7 seconds, 1908 each. Saddle Bronc, Cowie Masters, 76 points on Salt River Rodeos. Tows Time Bomb, tie down, John P. Echeverry, 10.5 seconds. Bow Racing, Carly Todd, 18.34 seconds. And Bull Riding, Jay Jacoy, Hale, 84.5 points on Salt River Rodeos. Jaeger, and here's the one everybody's talking about, the shot heard around the world. Talk about a heavy hand, Big D, and also a swift kick. This is Leon Edwards takes Kamaru Usman's UFC title with fifth-round head kick, knockout. This is from Mark Raimondi of ESPN. Great fight Saturday night. Salt Lake City. Leon Edwards has shocked the MMA world with a head kick in the final round of a fight he was losing handedly. Edwards knocked out Kamaru Usman to win the UFC welterweight title in the main event of UFC 278 on Saturday night here at Vivint Arena. The finish came at four minutes, four seconds of the fifth round, making it the fourth latest finish in a UFC title fight. Edwards snapped Usman's 15-fight UFC winning streak, uh, which was uh, one-off Anderson Silva's UFC record. It was one of the most stunning knockouts in the history of the sport. Usman was considered the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world. Edwards is the first Jamaican-born fighter to win a UFC title and the second England-based athlete to do so. Usman has been dominating the fight after the first round and was up 39-37 on all three judges' scorecards entering the fifth. But with about a minute left in the fight, uh, Usman leaned down to his right to defend and Edwards left and Edwards caught him flush with a left-head kick, uh, sending the 18,321 in attendance into a tizzy. Uh, Usman uh, was out on contact, uh, was less than a minute away from a six-title defense, and Edwards is now 20 to 20 and three. Uh, Dana White was said that that's how crazy this sport is. Uh, it, we, uh, Dana White is the UFC president. Uh, he said it's what makes this sport the greatest sport in the world. You can sit through four rounds in four minutes, and that can happen in a fight. Anything is possible in this sport. And again, they're looking forward to uh, a trilogy fight uh, between Edwards and Usman, uh, which will be for both men, adding up to uh, an absolutely great purse so what a fight big d i know you caught a little bit of it saturday night i caught all of it it mm. was unbelievable 51 seconds left in a, in, a, in a fight that usman dominated um but hey that's you know it only takes it only takes one it takes yep. one second in that sport and that's exactly what happened he caught him yep and that's a wrap in sports big d back to you all right very good uh let's do we'll get to the news i i just again <laughs> not, I, i'm literally just getting this breaking i knew john was going to break this um 
I knew he was going to come on at 8.30 to talk about it. But the idea that a sitting president would waive the former president's right to executive privilege is banana republic type. It just makes, think, just think about that. Think about that. Any president, sitting president saying, if the former president claims executive privilege, don't accept it. That is stunning. Yeah. When you think about it. And that also sets a precedence, right? Now, okay, Joe Biden's not going to be president forever. Next president up, who could that be? What is he going to say? He's going to be like, you know what? Let's waive it for uh, the president I just replaced or his former uh, his former uh, running mate candidate, uh, you know, who he held an office with. The memo show that White House Deputy Counsel Jonathan Sue was engaged in conversations with the FBI, DOJ, National Archives as early as April. Shortly after 15 boxes of classified and other materials were voluntarily returned to the Fed. It's just a big setup. This has been one huge setup. All of it. President tries to comply the whole time, which is why that sentence stood out to us on Monday night, two weeks ago when this happened. Voluntarily, after voluntarily cooperating, huh? It's, this has been, this is an all, this is just a big setup. And it involves every one of them. Merrick Garland comes out for that five minutes where he said nothing. We heard the White House, oh, oh, oh it's reported that the White House doesn't even know what Garland's going to say today, all the news <laughs> is telling us. They're not, they didn't even, weren't aware of, this speech going on, we were told. And then he's 45 minutes late. Oh, he's probably uh, catching up the White House on what he's about to come out and say. Really? We're supposed to believe that the White House doesn't know what the Attorney General is about to go out and talk about? On a matter that we've never seen before in this country, a former president's house being raided by the FBI? And the attorney general is finally about to say something about it. And we're told the White House doesn't even know he's about to speak. Well, now I took your time for news. That's all right. But well, it's shades of Obama, right? Remember the IRS scandal? Oh, we, we, we found out about it when you did. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. Because yeah, right. the news before they report anything goes to the White House for comment. We're about to run with this story. Do you have a comment? So they're going to know way before. Liars. All right, John Solomon will be here for, an ex I believe, an exclusive. First time he's talking about this. They just released this 817 on Just the News when we get back. to um, processing this story, and I don't think I'm overblowing it at all. No. No. 
But you think about, it still comes down to, to me, and I'll ask John this, this is just all a big setup to get Trump at all and any costs. If, it, if we have to destroy every institution, every norm, every anything, it doesn't damn well matter as long as the result is that he is in handcuffs or not running or out of the picture. And you think about the timing of this. They clearly see Biden in this first year and a half here. Obama, Susan Rice, all of the lackeys behind the scenes who are really pulling the strings. They see the poll numbers. They see all of this developing. They see him handling of COVID. They see it getting worse, more deaths under him. They see inflation rising. They see, the, they see, the, they see everything. And what is, their, what is the only thing left they can do is, to, is, do, is do this. How, how is it not? How, when you look at all of this through all of it, yeah. How do you not just come to the conclusion that this is just all a desperate attempt to try to, to thwart justice here for the one man that they know stands in their way from, from forever power? Is John ready? Please welcome the founder and editor and CEO of Just the News, our friend, and always welcome to have him, especially on a night like this, John Solomon, of course, host of uh, Just the News, Not Noise, every night, 6 p.m. right here on Real America's Voice. Mr. Solomon, how are you? Good, Damon. How are you guys? Is this, uh, well, um, very good. Uh, very thankful that you're here, but I mean, somewhat stunned by what you just broke on Just the News. Obviously, I'll read the title again. Biden White House facilitated DOJ's criminal probe against Trump scuttled privilege claims. Um, explain yeah. it to me, John, like I'm a four-year-old, which is not that far off, so I can try to understand what I'm reading here. <laughs> I talk your language. It's going to be good. I have the same way. Listen, uh, it's real simple. The Biden White House worked with the permanent bureaucracy to facilitate, instigate, and start the criminal probe of uh, Donald Trump for mishandling these documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago. How did they do that? Uh, the White House said, hey, you know those things that Donald Trump just sent over uh, back to uh, the Marshall Archives? Go ahead and send them to the FBI. And then when the FBI began ramping up its investigation, the FBI told the National Archives, go ahead and waive President Trump's executive privilege. Keep in mind, it was President Trump's executive privilege covering these documents, but Joe Biden waived it. Said, archives, if you want to waive it and give it to the FBI, you go ahead and do that. That undercut the uh, Trump legal defense team's ability to de develop a defense or contest these documents or prevent them from going to the FBI. And it, it allowed the sitting incumbent of the, uh, the White House who beat Donald Trump in 2020 and expects to face him in 2024 to launch a criminal investigation against his chief political rival, the opposition party leader, uh, and to take away his best defense that maybe these documents should be reviewed by a court first because of privilege. It, it's not any more complicated than that. The, the Biden White House, you know, sick the FBI on their rival. And we're told, um, gee, is there anything we can do with John's audio? Is that, um, we, uh, we're told that um, Merrick Garland goes out to speak for five minutes. We're told, oh, the White House doesn't even know that he's going out to speak. They don't know what he's going to say. We're told that there's this arm's length between the Department of Justice and the White House this whole time. I mean, it is really hard to just on a most basic level Think about what they tried to do in 15, what they tried to do to Russia, right. Russia, Russia. It's just another extension of we've got to get them somehow, John. Is that, is that, my, is that not right? 
exactly what Jim Jordan, the congressman and likely chairman of the House Judiciary Committee next year, if Republicans take over. It's exactly what he said. This began in 2016 with the Russia collusion and went all through the presidency. And in the post-presidency, it's the same alliance, right? It's the Democrats, this time represented by Joe Biden back in 2016, represented by Barack Obama, uh, the national news media who hates Trump, and uh, the bureaucrats in government that are aligned with him, pulling all of the levers and making things like this possible. It was the FBI bureaucrats in 2016. It's the National Archives bureaucrats in 2022. But this alliance should be deeply troubling to the American people. The president of the United States is using his powers to sick his law enforcement community on his chief political rival, the opposition party leader, and take away one of his primary defenses. I think most Americans, regardless of political stripe, should be concerned of that, that, that very appearance. Now, one of the things in the article that I, I'd like to hear what you have to say, and I, as I glanced through it, I did, I, I, I saw and hear that Alan Dershowitz maybe has looked at some of this correspondence. Yes. Now, this whole thing of a sitting president being able to say, no, if the former president wants, I, I'm going to waive his ability. Is that basically what he's doing to use executive privilege? Is there yeah. is there precedent for that happening? I mean, that seems like... So yeah, there are some lower courts that have ruled that way pre predominantly in the Bush years. Uh, and then, of course, during the Watergate era where Richard Nixon's crimes were already public and there was some piercing of the privilege. Uh, but it hasn't really been decided by this Supreme Court or in the modern era since the new Presidential Records Act was passed by Congress. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, who, by the way, voted for Joe Biden, is a lifelong Democrat, went to Harvard Law School, was a professor emeritus there, says that this is an open question for the Supreme Court. And if the courts allow this to stand, if the next president can waive the past president's executive privilege, there is no privilege because it just means the guy who beat you can then put out all your secrets and take away all of the privilege and deliberations that you had in your presidency. And keep in mind, this standard, if it's allowed to stand, will be the standard that Republican Congresses will have when Joe Biden is a former president and could also uh, pursue right now against Barack Obama and, and the earlier presidency. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's why I think people like Alan Dershowitz are very worried about the legal precedent being set here. The president filed, as you know, um, is filing today in the down in Florida, yes. and I, I read through as much of it as I could. The one thing that stood out to me is over on page thirteen, uh, and we've been making this connection between the January sixth committee and being a conduit yeah. to the Department of Justice. And in this filing, one of the things that stood out to me uh, is when they talk about the seizure of an item labeled executive grant of clemency for Roger Stone, it says, aside from demonstrating that this was an unlawful general search, it also suggests the DOJ simply wanted the camel's nose under the tent so they could rummage for either politically helpful documents or support other efforts to thwart President Trump from running again, such as the January 6th investigation. And then it says... The exposure of the affidavit would, quote unquote, jeopardize this investigation. And then it says, and other high profile investigations. That's jumped off the page at me because yeah. we've been talking about this. I don't know if you read all of this, but I, I just read I, it to I you. I flagged that starting last Thursday when that uh, uh, amended motion came in for the Justice Department. Wait a second. We were told this was a narrow search about a records dispute. How does this influence other investigations? There is a serious concern that what the Justice Department has done is use the Congress use the news media, use the bureaucracy to create a cornucopia of fishing expeditions, hoping that one of them will find a crime that can be prosecuted and disqualify President Trump uh, from 
running for office. That That is the fear that the Trump lawyers have. It's the fear that many honest lawyers have. People like John Turley, Alan Dershowitz have raised this concern. Uh, and it's exactly the machinery we saw when Adam Schiff was working with the FBI and telling us there was Russia collusion when there wasn't. Uh, the only difference is this game has gotten more sophisticated, more broad, involved more people, new agencies. But it's the same playbook uh, for those who see this and call it out every day. And uh, nothing has uh, uh, dampened the enthusiasm of Democrats to try to use the powers of law enforcement to punish political enemies. I, um, I, I saw the ruling of the you know judge last week on this uh, affidavit, and, and it seems yeah. like some of the president's lawyers came out, and I kind of questioned their coming out saying, "Oh, it's, we think it's a not a great, it's not a bad ruling, it's okay," yeah. and I, and I didn't really understand that because I'm of the belief that. What they did here is no different than what they did to the FISA judges. They put things in this affidavit as probable cause that they knew there was no chance that they were going to find in that house to be able to support those claims. Are you are you a believer in that, or do you or do you still think what what's in this affidavit was on the up and up? Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. Listen, I I, I played a major role in unraveling uh, the FISA warrants from 2016, but I was able to do that by waiting for the facts to come out. I don't know yet what's in this um, in this warrant. What I do know is that the warrant is more broadly worded than most any warrant I've seen in recent history as a journalist. And that's not only me saying that. Uh, the former assistant director of the FBI, Kevin Brock, is saying that. A second part of it is it clearly resulted in overcollection, meaning things that were not part of the search warrant got collected like the president's um, uh, passports. There's no possible way you can construe what's in that search warrant to suggest that you should click the president's passports. There's nothing that says you should take privileged documents like attorney-client privilege, yet we now know the Justice Department admits doing that. There's already over-collection. There's already a very broadly worded search warrant that the former assistant director of the FBI says goes way beyond what agents are taught. So now the question is, is there things in the affidavit that further corrupted the process? But what's in the record already, Damon, should be concerning to anyone who cares about the Fourth Amendment and the Constitution. Yeah. Well, I know you have a busy night um, getting this out there and doing other. And I pr so appreciate you coming here first and letting Honor us know. Honored to be on your show. Thank you very much. John Solomon Thanks from show. Just the News. Uh, and what just is really just an amazing story that they broke tonight. I mean, just amazing. I mean, it's just um, the Biden White House is, is as involved with this. They've got their hands on, on this and they are trying to just open any avenue in the in their never-ending quest, no matter how many agencies they take, no matter how many people it takes, no matter how many how how much lawlessness there has to be, how many things they have to just say, well, we're going to do it and figure it out later, to get President Trump, to get him to not run, to get him indicted, whatever they have to do, it's just a nonstop effort to get to one goal. They'll use this Pelosi's scam hit squad to do it. They'll use the White House clearly now to do it. They'll lie consistently about it. Yeah, and it's because that's how panicked people react, right? When, when things start to go wrong, and I think we've, we've seen that, is that they're panicking. What does he have? We need to grab it. Let's grab it. Let's, let's hide it. Let's make sure nobody sees it. But this, this is what happens when you're panicked as well. You don't look down the road. You don't go, okay, and then what? Compared to what? If we do this, where will this lead us? They, they, never, they never look that far down the road because all you have to do is look to 2013 when Harry Reid changed the Senate rules on judicial nominees, right? 
He changed it so so you you don't need the 60 anymore. We'll just get a majority and that's it. Well, what has that led to? That's led to where now now freaking out because oh well, you know, now now they're bashing the Supreme Court because they feel it's illegitimate. But it's their rules. And again, this is something that will probably come back to haunt them. Like we mentioned, who's the next president up? Probably you and I know who it's going to be. Who, 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 right? Yeah. And uh, Not if it's up to Mitch McConnell. Right. Well, and, the, and the Republicans, they'll find a way to blow it. Well, let's face it. Once that happens, all bets are off. Biden, Obama, Clinton, all your privileges, gone. 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 Probably from day one, because he's not going to want to mess around. So let's so, hope that's where this leads. Um, so the other part of this, John Solomon, um, it says on April 11th, the White House Counsel's Office, affirming a request from the Department of Justice supported by an FBI letterhead memorandum, formally transmitted a request that NARA provide the FBI access to the 15 boxes that they took from Trump for review within seven days. Um, then the next paragraph where President Biden defers to basically someone at, I mean, this is, I'm going to read this to you when we get back one more time. Unbelievable. Thanks to John Solomon for coming on, really breaking this news here first, as he's going to do other big media tonight as well. So always good to have him. Live from Studio 6B, we're on it here the rest of the night. We're back right after this. to the hour live from studio 6b i want to again thank john solomon for uh i mean it's just it's an unbelievable story i mean their their quest their quest to get trump and stop him because well like he says he's the only thing standing in between them and you and uh, he's absolutely right about that but the 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 um the tyranny and lawlessness that is going on and I heard Levin make this point tonight driving in, and he's absolutely right. At this point, we have to be f- fully behind J.D. Vance. We have to be fully behind Herschel Walker. Yeah. We have to be fully behind Dr. Oz. It doesn't matter anymore. We talk about what kind of candidates they are and all that. We, we cannot let Mitch McConnell-type statements affect what's coming on in November because as you see, there is no end to the tyranny that the Democrats want to put in place. And if it's that lunatic Fetterman or that phony Tim Ryan up there, or it's just another vote for tyranny, and that's all they care about as long as they have their votes. They, they circle the wagons. We know how they circle the wagons. Look how they circle the wagons. I mean, when you know, the old... Think how laughable it was when we, they used to say, oh, the collusion. We got to look for collusion between Trump and Russia. Collusion. These guys redefine collusion. They have more collusion going on be- between the branches of government and departments and people. It's, I mean, it's never-ending collusion and lawlessness and just straight tyranny. And men, I'll tell you, they just got every one of you in their scope doubling the size of the IRS agents while most of us can barely get by. Oh, it's just. 
We can't be worried about these. We can't. Oh, I'm worried about her. I'm worried about that. Oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Great. It's a, at this point, it's got to be on. It's got to be game time for all these races. All these races. Mitch McConnell needs to be put out to pasture. And we have to get behind all these races. It just doesn't matter anymore. We have to be behind them. Because look how out of control this this party and this administration is getting. There are no checks. There are no checks on them. Not in the legal system, not in the uh, nowhere. No branch of government is, I mean, think about this. What, what, where, how far we have drifted. And all they do is look to ex- expand, expand the power, expand the power, expand the power by any means necessary. There is no ends that are not justified. Nope. So, all right, uh, let's do some sports. Mm-hmm. And here with that, Slick Rick, Rick Emirati. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D. Well, let's get right into it. Oh, we I gotta... said I was going to do news first. I did. Oh, go to Rick, news. That's all right. Let's do some news. <laughs> and here with the news is Rick Delgado. All right. Real quick, uh, since you are talking about making sure we make the changes, tomorrow, New York and Florida. Primaries. It's primary be, day. And we will be covering tomorrow night. Um, we may have some special guests with us tomorrow night. Multiple special guests, maybe. So make some sure from you, Florida, some from New York. Make sure you get out and vote. Even even if you're just like, ah, oh, he's probably going to win. Doesn't matter. Yeah, get out sure. and vote. It starts on primary day. Yep. And then you carry that through till, of course, in November on election day. I mean, a story like this, if this doesn't, again, so many motivating factors, Inflation Reduction Act, nonsense, yeah. garbage. This raid and and this story, as it continues to widen and get deeper, and the lawlessness of it continues to grow. Yeah, I mean, if this, if this doesn't galvanize people to say, you know what, I think I've had enough. Oh my God! Then you know what? Then that person's lost. And speaking of which, uh, Trump's politically motivated FBI raid, according to him, he he announced on Sunday, uh, has backfired. While Democrats and the news media have attempted to use the FBI raid on the 45th president's residence at Mar-a-Lago as a way to prevent him from running again, uh, their efforts have unintentionally led to a stronger Republican movement uh, ahead of the November midterms and stronger polling for Trump. In a Sunday post on Truth Social, the 45th president said all polls strongly indicate that on the candidate, the Democrats least want to run against by far. Hence the politically motivated raid on Mar-a-Lago, which has backfired big time. Yeah, As except he- the leader in the Senate. <laughs> in wake of the raid, Trump has received overwhelming amount of support from conservatives across the nation. While, a- while Trump has said the FBI search could have resulted in Republicans winning additional seats in the midterms elections. Business Insider said uh, Business Insider quoting a Republican strategist said it pretty much makes him unbeatable in a primary. Basically what the federal government has done, the FBI, the Biden administration, is they've made him into a martyr. It's going to be really difficult to see a scenario in which he runs and loses in a primary because of that. So other than the leader in the Senate won't get his vote. Yeah, and according to we got to worry about kind of we got to worry about the kind of uh, <laughs> candidates we're putting up. Shut yeah. up. And according to inside sources, fundraising is over a million dollars a day for the forty-fifth president. 
another piece of election news down in Florida. Tomorrow, primary day, as I just uh, mentioned, in Florida, Dr. Drew Montez Clark running for Congress in Florida's 20th district. He's running unopposed, and he has now been the subject of Twitter. Yeah. So Twitter has decided to remove his account one day before the Florida primary election. Twitter took his account down, announced last announcing last week that I guess it's going to start meddling in the election. Um, they took down his his Twitter page and suspended it one day, less than a day, really, before tomorrow's primary election down in Florida. So another way that, you know, big tech is attempting to interfere and, uh, you know, they, they're getting started early in the November, November 22 uh, election process. They're starting now. President Trump is out on True Social. Uh, with a, with a bunch of endorsements, I know you love when I give you these. People thought I was joking the first time I did this, but I was not. <laughs> oh, you mean the AOC one? Um, <laughs> it was first. We start with a good one. Tudor Dixon must defeat Gretchen Whitmer in November. I agree. I have talked to Tudor about the race and her choice of running mate Shane Hernandez. Since then, I have checked and found him to be an outstanding person. Uh, in fact, he was named Michigan's most conservative legislator and is strongly committed to election integrity. The MAGA movement should support this ticket. This is who Tudor wants, and therefore Shane is who I want as your next lieutenant governor. That from President Donald Trump. Moving on. Congressman Jerry Nadler (laughs) can't be stopped. He's young, sharp, energetic, (laughs) and very, very fair. He truly understands the two-party system and will go out of his way to make sure a Republican gets a fair and open shake, quote-unquote. <laughs> Jerry is the dynamo that Washington needs, except in this case, his rival is a woman who is both physically and mentally stronger than him. Her name is Carolyn Maloney. She accepted many of my campaign contributions in the good old days, and she has my complete and total endorsement. She will never let you down. <laughs> So, so Jerry, Fat Jerry, got some some kudos from the president, and then he, and then he took his le- then he took his legs out and went right back to Carolyn Maloney. Well, she's taking enough money, so right? so Jerry's going to have to waddle once again off the stage, kind of <laughs> like he did in that uh, whatever. All right. Well, I got one last one since we don't have a lot of time left. If you want, I, I've got an update on the Prime Minister of Finland. Is this the partier? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm done with her. All right, good. She hasn't of... fallen off her bike. Nope. She doesn't say words that we don't understand. Nope. She doesn't well, take she does, three but... months off at a time. She doesn't spend <laughs> half a million dollars to build a fence around her house. She's she not finished. Finish. So what's the big deal here? She doesn't say uh, true and national depression. She doesn't say, I mean, well, go ahead. Well, she tested negative for drugs earlier today after a controversial video came out of her dancing uh, and twerking at a nightclub. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Just as I'm down with her, she tell, oh, God. And, of course, she uh, was urged to take the drug test following the incident. So she's clean. Oh, she's clean? She's clean. She's good. Oh, all right. Party on, girl. Yeah, party on, girl. Go <laughs> Finland.
All right, live from Studio 6B, Hour 2. Quick first hour. John Solomon, of course, joined us at the bottom of the hour. Breaking news on Just the News, which he was nice enough to come on and discuss. Slick Rick's here. Rick Delgado's here. Geofran holding it down, as always. We'll do some other things here in Hour 2, uh, including a good article from M.B. Matthews today. Uh, if I were a Trump advisor, and if the, the president is to run and be successful what the first 100 days should look like. Very good article. We'll get to some of that. Uh, we'll get to the little criminal deciding today. Now, you're telling me that he, he gets, um, I think it was out of Missouri, Schmidt, the AG, who's going to be, I think, the governor or the senator now, who won the race against Greitens, uh, Schmidt. Uh, he subpoenas Fauci along with, um, I believe there was another attorney general who subpoenaed Fauci. And all of a sudden... The time, the timeline on retirement gets moved up to well. Now seems kind of interesting, as he was going to wait till the end of the Biden administration, right? At least his first term. Yeah, that's what it says. Which seems like about a hundred years away at this point. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, but that that, that doesn't make sense. That, that don't read into it, there, Damon. Maybe they're getting the numbers on the back of the orange jumpsuit ironed on already, and he's feeling the heat, maybe. How about that? That would Uh, be nice. Cut one, G. Roll that. Well, we are following some breaking news. Dr. Anthony Fauci is stepping down from his position as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. The 84-year-old announced today that he will be stepping down from the position in December. He has led the agency for 38 years in a statement following uh, the news of his, well, maybe not retirement. Uh, President Biden praised Fauci's work as a dedicated public service who helped servant, rather, who helped make the country stronger, more resilient, and healthier. And the reason why I say maybe not retirement is he was actually asked about whether or not he would continue to serve in this position uh, in the next administration, whether it is a Democratic administration or Republican administration. And he said that he would most likely be stepping down from his position. uh, Enough enough of this propagandist. You see, (laughs) you hear this? This is what the media does. You can blow it up to you or just take it down. I don't need to hear any more from her. See, she runs cover for him. She doesn't say, well, it's funny. He said, we all know he said he was going to go at the end of of this first term of Biden's. Yeah, he said it last month. He moves it up two years and 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 her, the best she can do is to say, run cover like that for him. Not to say, geez, I wonder what he moved it up two years for. We reached out to the good doctor, but we didn't get any, you know, one of those deals. No, of course not. Yeah, it was actually July 18th of 2022. The story was run in just the news that Dr. Fauci says he's retiring from public service at the end of President Biden's term. Oh, geez. No one wants to ask what the big, what's, what changed? What changed? Is it maybe the prospectus that you're looking and going, oh, the Republicans are going to take control of the House. What am I going to do? I can't run and hide anymore. Media can't run cover for me anymore. I wonder. No, maybe not. Preserve your documents. This is why you detest the media, mostly. It's for even little segments like that. That's so disingenuous, the way she frames it. We all know what he said. Everybody was aware it was going to be the end of Biden's term. All of a sudden, it's two years earlier. That doesn't seem strange as he's, he's as popular as he's ever been. He's getting more TV time. He's on more magazine covers. What's he going to go do? Is he going modeling for uh, Abercrombie and Fitch all of a sudden? <laughs> What's the big move all of a sudden for? Or is he maybe a little nervous? 
is there maybe something in his background, but he won't get raided. Don't worry. There'll be no documents that we'll take from him. Don't worry. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Seems kind of strange to me. Two-year move. If I told you I was going to retire when I was uh, 53, and then at 51, I said, I'm out of here, you'd say, well, what, why two years? What's wrong? Something must have happened in his life. Something, right? Yeah, Doesn't that seem reasonable? Yeah, you'd be hearkening back to the, when you were in your 40s. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Well, let's do some sports here since I blew it off last segment. And here what that is, you know, Slick Rick, um, the audience has noticed and, and commented, not that you, you look like a million bucks every night, but a little more subdued tonight with the, um, what gold. do you call that? I got the gold going gold on. And it's camouflage. Gold and lavender. Yeah, a little low-key. It's I mean, a little like, more low-key for you, yeah, that's all. It's Monday night. I got to get. I got to build the momentum up to okay. Friday. You know, right. I'm yeah. just bringing it to your attention that yeah. the audience is so invested in your wardrobe <laughs> that they do notice when you're a little more subdued. I got a great pair of bling shoes on, though. <laughs> how, oh, speaking <laughs> yeah. of that, Fran, how are we doing Rick's kicks? Um, are we? Do we have an intro yet for that? Oh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's no. do sports and hear what that is. Sick I'm Rick, walking. what's going on? Okay, here we go. Uh, speaking One of, word uh, answer sometimes is all you need. No, Moving I fast and like. retiring. Kyle Larson wins NASCAR Cup race. Chase Elliott takes regular season crown at Watkins Glen. ESPN News Services reporting. Watkins Glen, New York. Kyle Larson outlasted Hendricks Motorsports teammate Chase Elliott on a restart with five laps to go and won the weather-delayed NASCAR Cup race at Watkins Glen International on Sunday. Elliott had control of the race late, but a caution gave Larson a chance, and he took advantage, moving Elliott to the left, coming out of the first turn and pulling away for a weekend Xfinity Cup sweep. All was not lost for Elliott, however, needing only four points to clinch the regular season championship. He was able to secure that. His fourth place finish at the Glen a week before the finale. A.J. Almendinger, meanwhile, finished second with Joey Logano third. Daniel Suarez settled for fifth behind Elliott. And Patrick Cantlay wins another thriller at BMW Championship, enters Tour Championship as number two seed. Cantlay with his birdie par finish for a 269 69 gave him a one-shot victory over Scott Stallings at Wilmington Country Club. Cantlay will finish at 14 under 270, became the first player to win the BMW Championship in consecutive years since the FedEx Cup began in 2007. No one has ever repeated in any of the playoff events. The victory is second of the year, moved him to number three in the world. So, looking good in the golf. And then, father of injured Little League World Series player says he has chance for full recovery. AP report this is the biggest story coming out of the Little League World Series this year. Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The father of Little League World Series player who seriously injured his head when he fell out of his top bunk in the dorm. Said there's a chance his son can make a full recovery when he returns home to Utah. Jace Oliverson told the AP on Sunday night his 12-year-old son Easton was expected to fly back Tuesday to Utah and that he will remain in a hospital there. I'm just grateful that he's still alive because I was pretty much told he had a 0% chance to live. All of us have said, we feel very fortunate. Um, they've set up a Venmo account. The young man's name is Tank. Unfortunately, Utah, they didn't do good. They got eliminated yesterday from the Little League World Series and the dad did say that he thought the impact of his son being injured obviously affected the team. And real quick, Little League World Series, just a couple of scores right now. Mexican up 6 nothing over Canada in a double elimination game. That's in the bottom of the third. Honolulu, Hawaii, the talk of Little League World Series. They're up 2-0 over Pearl and Texas. Uh, Nicaragua, 8-7 over Japan. That's a final. And our boys from Long Island, Big D, the Massapequa boys didn't do well today. The Holidaysburg, uh, Holidaysburg 
Pennsylvania sent them on an early holiday. They lost 7-1 to one final from early this afternoon. And Chinese Taipei, 7 nothing over Panada, Panama. And last but not least, Nolensville, Tennessee. I guess Paul's got a team there in Tennessee. 5-2 to two over Hagerstown, Indiana. They're moving on after a final in seven innings. And that's a wrap in sports. Big D, back to you. All right, Slick Rick, very good. Thanks very much. Um, I saw a video of, I believe... At least it was labeled that way. It said something like fell out of bunk bed, um, a video of the kid trying to walk or in some kind of rehabilitation, if it was him. I mean, I just, you just, you got to pull for the, I mean, I'm just pulling so hard for this kid because it's just such a terrible tragedy. 12 years old. And can I tell you something? Not to, not to relate this back to me, but I just, it was, when I heard this story, I kind of, I said, and I said to my wife too, because we just went away to um, Lake George. Remember a couple of them was about a month or so ago. I was in Lake George mm-hmm. for a little while. And uh, when we got to the place we were staying, now my kids are now 15 and 13. My son's almost as tall as me at this point. He's probably going to go by me. <laughs> uh, he's about 6'3 already. Wow. And, um, you know, it had, a, had a, a king room and then it had a room with two bunk beds. And I was, I don't, I don't know what made me, uh, we pulled the bed out of the bunk bed. Because as your kids get older, you know, you kind of notice they have sleep patterns, whether they turn a lot, move a lot, whatever. And um, I pulled the, um, I pulled the bunk, I pulled the top bunk down and put it on the floor out in the living room because I didn't want them sleeping up there. Just God forbid there was no railing, there was no nothing there. And man, I tell you, it just, it just shows you, you got to just hang on to every second and enjoy every second because it just turns and, ugh. Yeah, it could change so quickly. Mm. Oh, I mean, just to, even just to think of it, just sleeping in a bunk bed. Just terrible. So I'm so pulling for that kid if that's him. He's, they got him on his feet. Yep. So He's heading home tomorrow. Hopefully he continues to um, make improvements. So. Well, yeah, if, if they're going to fly him home, he must be doing remarkably better. Sure. Because when, when you take a shot like that to the head and stuff, they don't want you to fly because of the, uh, you know, the pressure sure. changes. True. Yeah. So. Oof. All right. Um, very good. So, you know, with the whole Fauci thing, let, let's a couple things here, G, I see on the uh, list I want to hear. Cut to uh, Dr. Bacciara, who, of course, has been on the side of real science this whole time, on the side of we're making decisions here with faulty information, Fauci-like information. So he's the anti-Fauci. Cut to, let me hear that. Roll that. In August of 2020, uh, my uh, my colleague uh, at Stanford was named Scott Atlas. He was the advisor to Donald Trump on science policy, on and he uh, he invited me and Martin Kulldorff and a couple others to the White House to talk with with President Trump. Um, it was I an mean, honor of a lifetime, and ever it's not something I normally get to go do. Um, and uh, so when I when I met with him, I I had a I'd written this long document about the safety of opening schools and the, and the, the, the relative low harm to children of, from COVID relative to the harm posed by closing schools. So that's the main thing I shared with them, like opening schools and the protection of the vulnerable. Those are, those are the two major ideas, especially older people in nursing homes and so on. Um, he was very concerned, President Trump, about uh, that, that you know, he'd locked the, the world down in March of 2020 on the advice of Tony Fauci and, and Deborah Burks, and also, uh, it turns out, Neil Ferguson. He mentioned to me, uh, he said, look, uh, I, 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 shut the world, I shut the economy down um, and I was 
I, told, I was told that if I didn't do it, two million people would die in the next, next few months. And he asked me, did, did he save two million lives? And I had to tell him no. I, I mean, it was, it, was, it was really hard to tell a president a no to that because such a consequential decision, but that the model on which it was based was not true. A couple things about that clip that should stand out to you. Number one, that President Trump, whether that was on his own or not, was reaching out to people like that who you never heard of from, from people like Burks and Fauci and the Surgeon General at the time, some of these others who was this all CDC, CDC, Fauci, Fauci, CDC, Fauci, never asked for Dr. David Katz, never asked for uh, Dr. Bacciara, never asked for other doctors who we highlighted here who said, wait a second, whoa, wait a minute, we're making decisions here with no data. Well, but President Trump, now we find out, was reaching out to people like that. And unfortunately, he wa- unfortunately those people didn't influence him enough at the time uh, to overrule what he was hearing from the little gremlin and from that phony Burks who should be in the cell next to Fauci one day. As she comes out now and tells us that all this was just uh, oh, 15 days of slow to spread. Yeah, we sold it to you, but don't worry. It was never going to uh, we were never taking it seriously. Oh, okay, good. Good to know now. All right, live from Studio 6B, more to do. We're back right after this. Studio 6B. I put it in. Uh, gee, I don't think I told you. Pull the Fauci bumper that I put in there. I don't think you probably pulled it. Um, while you're doing that, we'll end on end on that and put this Fauci thing to bed. But while you're doing that, MB Matthews today. If I were Trump advisor, when President Trump retakes the White House in 2024, we conservatives will be in charge of the House of Representatives and possibly the Senate. And it's just a crime we have to say possibly. Because of old Mitch. Well, we're going to put some better candidates up there. I'm in Mitch McConnell. <laughs> jerk. Um, that is the time to fix what has gone so horribly wrong ever since COVID and the 2020 election. Having read President Trump's book, The Art of the Deal, I'm going to attempt a death-defying feat here by offering him some advice. His book reveals him to be infinitely patient and a strategic thinker, making very few mistakes. He's a winner, a fighter. And I take a great risk by daring him and giving him advice. Nevertheless, here is a list of priorities I'd like to see implemented. I believe that conservatives, and if there's any sane liberals left, well, let me just tell Mr. Matthews that there's not. So don't worry. Because they all voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, and they all voted to expand the IRS by 87,000 agents. So no, the answer is no. There is no sane liberals left. There's no sane Democrats left. Nothing. Uh, What I'd like to see happen, here goes. Number one, reopen the Keystone and other pipelines to reestablish our energy independence. Drill as though our lives depend on it. I think we can all give thumbs up to that. Number two, fire the entirety of upper-level FBI and DOJ and replace them with unbiased people or known conservative players. That should be number one. Number three, immediately fire any federal official who refuses to prosecute criminals. 
Number four, fire appointees who populate government agencies who have been making law, e.g. the Department of Education, the EPA, the FBI, the IRS, all the alphabet agencies who have seen fit to legislate behind Congress's back and often with Congress's impetuere. Uh, Number five, clean out our military of all vestiges of critical race theory. If that means firing officers, do it. Number six, ditto government schools at all levels. CRT should be eliminated as overt racism. Seven, outlaw voting machines entirely. Go back to paper ballots. Forbid the counting of votes past midnight on election day. No exceptions. Uh, Cleanse all government entities of all sex, gender, drag materials, and ideology. Such education should be left to parents, guardians, and religious entities. Forbid lockdowns for any reason forever. Immediately stop COVID relief funds and put able-bodied people back to work. No congressman, uh, next one, no congressman will be permitted to financially benefit from any upcoming legislation within 10 years of implementation. Fast track all uh, complaints by citizens regarding IRS audit uh, bias or harassment against conservatives. Any whiff of IRS agents bias against white people will result in immediately dismissal of said agent. Pardon all Trump people and any other conservatives who were unconstitutionally charged, harassed, or imprisoned by Democrats for political quote-unquote crimes. This includes, but is not limited to, all J6 prisoners. Send an elite team to Afghanistan to get our weapons back and to release any American hostages being held there. Investigate Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Nancy Pelosi for Chinese connections, Chinese influence, and the Russia, Russia, Russia illegalities. Relief fertilizer shortages and prescription judge shortages that are due to overseas supply problems. Manufacture our own. Give American farmers relief by putting them back to work. Ditto every business and job hunt um, by the, uh, uh, that was hurt by the shutdown and by the sabotaged economy, uh, like truckers, food chain workers, etc. Begin the process of instituting term limits for all Congress members. He said that's for starters. I don't know how much Trump can actually do himself, but what he cannot do, he can influence others to do. No doubt I have left out some critical matters that need fixing. We can get to those as well at some point. We voters have spent the last two years angry and frustrated that the levers of power are jammed insofar as justice goes. It is past time to take back some sanity in America, if for no other reason than it will annoy the living hell out of the left and allow them to feel our fiery outrage. We Americans know the pain and suffering leftist policies have caused. The left are unrepentant, though. That's the key. They don't give a damn. They're doubling down, tripling down when necessary, saying they know that Americans are suffering, but they simply don't care. And we need to get used to it. Well, uh, no, we don't. It's not up to the left to lower everyone else's standard of living except their own than to claim the moral high ground for the sake of the planet. We know that's a lie. They know that's a lie, and Trump knows it's a lie. I hope he has a list of who's been naughty and nice. (laughs) Karma may be a booger, may be petty, vengeance may be for God alone, but justice is sweet. I'd like to see some justice for the crimes against America that the left have committed. That's pretty good. Yeah. 
And a couple things that I, I would throw into his list there, maybe uh, audit all of Congress every two years and outlaw, again, propaganda propagated by the media. Because let's face it, they can they can pretty much say and and report whatever they want with impunity, and and nobody gets uh, nobody gets called on the carpet for it, and they call it news. You know, we're we're, we're talking heads. So this is this is opinion. This is what we do. People know that coming in. When they tune on a, a a CNN or an MSNBC, they're being told, "Oh, this is the news. You can trust this." Yeah. All right. Let's do the. Um, let's put a not literal pin in Fauci here, but let's uh, play this bumper, G, just to remind ourselves what we're dealing with with this guy. Roll it. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but have- it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying Uh, uh, inside uh, there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if in fact you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If in fact you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Because now okay. the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is I, that right? It, I mean, you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here, where you could get leakage in, is much better contained. And are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? You look like you are. <laughs> I mean, Neil Cavuto's show, it's almost the same show. Yeah. It's the same show. It's almost <laughs> the same outfit he was wearing. And he says the exact opposite thing. Yeah, but yeah. no, no, we have to all believe and follow. And he is the science. Good riddance. Get out.
Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. Let's do some news and some sports. We'll start with uh, sports, and here with that is Slick Rick, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, D, let me get you caught up on some scores. NFL Monday night preseason football. Falcons 13-0 over the Jets. Jets are already in midseason form with the acronym <laughs> Jets just end the season. Uh, they're already looking good. Mets and Yankees, good one, 4-2 in the Bronx. End of seven. And Braves right now leading the Pirates 2-zip. Watching that race as that NL East is going to tighten up there. And uh, let's get over to some other sports. Big D. Uh, rodeo. The Oregon Trail Rodeo. Hastings, Nebraska. Don't ask. I don't know why they call it the Oregon Trail Radio. Rodeo. Somebody will educate me. But Hastings, Nebraska, we go. All around Cowboy. Austin Madison. $1,400. Tie down roping and steer wrestling. Bareback riding. Chase Yellowhawk. Love that name. 78 points on Cocoa Rodeo's Out of Ink. Sounds like a printer. Steer wrestling, Mark Joyner, 4.3 <laughs> seconds, $1,800. Team roping, Jeff Johnston, Chet Hillman, 5.4 seconds. Saddle Bronc, Jacob Benman, 78 points on Corcoran Rodeos. Frayed not. Tie down roping, Denton Osterman, 9.1 seconds. Barrel racing, Tamara Reinhardt, 16.22 tenths. Good one, 1271. Bull riding, Levi Boyd, 82 points on Corcoran Rodeos. Street Taco, could go for one now. And, uh, Turpin has kickoff free punt punt for the Cowboys. We talked about this earlier, but Cavante Turpin in Inglewood, California, had a big one against the Chargers. He had two 98-yard kick return and 86-yard punt return, both for touchdowns. First guy to do it since way back when, in December 8, 2013, Detroit's Jeremy Ross did it against Philadelphia, also in preseason. So we will see. Dallas had a 29-10 halftime lead and went on to win that game 32-18. Again, it's only preseason, so i got to temper my enthusiasm, but it could be Turpin time for the Cowboys with their new return man. And Alexander Usyk beats Anthony Joshua by split decision and calls out, well, Tyson Fury. Looks like we're going to get that fight where we're going to unify all those belts together, Big D. Uh, Usyk had a good fight, really. 115-113, 116-112. One judge had it for Joshua, but, uh, you know, right now it looks like it's going to be all about Alexander Usyk, who's a great fighter against uh, uh, the great Tyson Fury, and uh, we will see what happens with that. We'll keep and I and that's a rapid sports big D back to you all right slick Rick very good let's do some news and here with the new uh, sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell um my pillow mypillow.com slash lfs6b of course all the best deals are always available on our page there mypillow.com slash lfs6b lfs6b is the code to check out uh 10 to sometimes even up to 60 percent off what uh, I mean just great stuff uh, and then, of course, over at mystore.com, too. More people going over to finally taking my advice to try the coffee. My coffee over at mystore.com and other great stuff, by the way, if you, at my store, books and other things. Um, so you can use it there as well. Are, are uh, you going to bring some of that coffee in? Well, you know, uh, you guys are kind of married to the Keurig, right? You guys don't really like, oh, they like don't the have, real. They don't have it in the Keurig? No, thing? this is like real grain, oh, you know, okay. real beans or grain. Yeah, it's the real Actual deal. coffee. Not Actual coffee, coffee. yeah. <laughs> Not like wussy coffee, like we like, we like to drink here. Real so. men coffee. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, let's do some news and hear what that's Rick Delgado. What's going on? All right. Well, we uh, we may have heard of this fledgling cable TV network. Um, they go by the name of News Nation. They have hired Chris Cuomo that we reported a couple weeks ago to host primetime show this fall. And already they're catching backlash as asking staffers to promote the disgraced anchor. And many are not happy about it. It was Cuomo, a while ago they did that. Yeah. Well, Cuomo, whose old 9 p.m. CNN show 
uh, averaged 1 million viewers nightly in its final year, is being heralded by the brass at News Nation as the savior of the network. Think about that. Yeah, great. A message that's provoking grumbling among the rank and file, according to On the Money. This Where is, is this story from? This is from uh, New York Post. <clears throat> this is going to be like Sirius XM with Chris instead of Howard Stern, one source griped. Employees at News Nation launched less than two years ago. The ratings of a tiny fraction of CNNs are likewise bristling over recent requests to plug Cuomo's new show at the bottom of their email signatures. Um, it's Cuomo all ab- sucks no matter what no, no matter what network he would be on. I mean, yeah. next. But, but they're they're pushing everybody on that works there to just make sure that it's all about Chris Cuomo. Yeah, good luck with that strategy. So staffers for anchor Ashley Banfield, who hosts a 10 p.m. show, are particularly peeved. She was meant to be the Rachel Maddow of the network, they're saying, according to a source comparing Banfield to the MSNBC star. But now here comes Chris, the big swinging you-know-what, as reported by The Post. Uh, He, he of course, is... uh, going to be in the studio down in Midtown starting very soon as News Nation Chicago headquarters, according to the source, said that they have a studio set aside and uh, Banfield has refused to use it because her studio is too small. So a a whole bunch of stuff is now going down at News Nation. It seems like this is becoming more of a problem as Chris Cuomo gets closer to debuting his show. Jumping over to uh, stories from, yeah, just the news. Governor Whitmer, the jurors uh, are getting the trial. The jury was deadlocked in the first trial of the two men that we talked about this, defendants Adam Fox and Barry Croft Jr. They were deadlocked at the first case, but today they received the case at about noon following nine days of trial testimony and closing arguments. They are being retried for the uh, acquittal in April with help from their defense attorneys who successfully argued that the FBI entrapped their clients, according to the AP. The jury in the trial deadlocked on the verdicts for Croft and Fox, the latter of whom portrayed as the ringleader of the alleged plot that we all know the FBI was instrumental in putting together. Prosecutors in the second trial argued that Fox and Croft had a goal of sparking a second American revolution. Assistant U.S. Attorney Nils Kessler argued that the men were willing to kidnap any governor The men decided on Whitmer and had plans to execute her, according to the attorney. So we'll hopefully find a uh, get a resolution to that case in the next few days. We'll see what happens when the uh, jury comes back over on Twitter. Well, Elon Musk is subpoenaing former CEO, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. He has subpoenaed the former CEO and founder as Tesla's chief executive prepares a legal battle on October 17th in Delaware court uh, for termination of his $44 billion acquisition. Dorsey, who handed over the chief executive reins to Parag Agarwal after stepping down last year, announced his support for Musk's bid back in April. In principle, I don't believe anyone should own or run Twitter, according to Dorsey. It wants to be at a public good at a protocol level, not a company. Solving the problem of it being a company, however, Elon is a singular solution I trust, he said. I trust his mission to extend the light of consequences. He added that both Musk and Argoa's goal is to create a platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive, and the subpoena seeks documents and communications from Dorsey about the Twitter merger, the impact of spam, fake accounts on the company's business and operations, and Twitter's use of monetary monetizable daily active usage as a key metric. 
according to the filing with the U.S. Uh, SEC, Musk contacted Dorsey on March 26 to discuss further di- direction of social media, including the benefits of open social protocols. So we'll see what happens with that. And again, Musk is countersuing Twitter, claiming the company made re- misrepresentations about the total number of spam and fake accounts on its platforms when it accepted his $54.20 per share acquisition yeah. last April. Which I think he's going to be uh, stuck with, if yeah. you ask me at this point, but we'll see. By the way, I've just been informed that my coffee now has K-Cups. Well, there you go. Ooh. Yeah. I've never saw them before. I'm looking at them now. Light roast, medium roast, dark roast, coffee pods. Before, it was only whole bean and ground. So now the coffee pods are there. There you go. $32 with promo code. <laughs> I mean, that's... There you go. Come on. So they do have coffee pods. So we're going to have to, we're gonna have, we have to load up the studio with these. I yep. think you'll have to effort that. I will, I will effort that. I absolutely will effort that. Get rid of that whatever we've got <laughs> nonsense out there. <laughs> Get my coffee pods in here. Um, all right, very good, Rick. Any other news? Nope, that's all I got for now. All right, a couple things that I, uh, I saw these this weekend on these horrific Sunday shows for the most part. And there's times I see these clips and I think to myself, okay, let me think about this now. Is this like a strategy that I'm missing? Is this a strategy or are they really just this stupid to make some of these comments? Um, I believe we'll start with cut six. I believe this is the one that I said this on. Our energy secretary. Roll that. Oh, my goodness. This Inflation Reduction Act provides credits to businesses to incentivize them to reshore in America. I'm the former governor of Michigan. The notion of creating and, and enhancing our manufacturing base, our manufacturing backbone, is huge. It will be in solar panels. It'll be in wind turbines. It'll be in transmission. It'll be in electric vehicles and the batteries for those electric vehicles. A whole supply chain and ecosystem, energy ecosystem, built up in the United States because of the incentives in this Inflation Reduction Act. But you talk about incentives and, and people, maybe it's the messaging, people quite okay, just don't quite get it. So I don't think we've gotten to the, to the part I heard yet. But even what she just said there is nonsense. Where, where does she think that what these batteries are made out of is going to come from? Like they never talk about that. They just talk about, oh, we're going to be a green uh, ecosystem. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a green ecosystem. Really? The batteries is the whole ball game here. How are we going to charge all those batteries there, genius? How are we going to make all those batteries? Go ahead. Fox asked people whether they plan to take advantage of the tax credit, and here's what they told us, and we'll get your response on the other side. Watch. I personally wouldn't buy an electric car with that much money. We're not going to even think about it because uh, we don't have the income available to uh, buy a new car. Oh, what do you know? Even with the incentive. Oh. What really is $7,500 against the cost of <laughs> oh, an electronic car? Hey, what do you know? And really, you could make the same argument we were talking about tax breaks for adding solar panels, energy efficient windows, appliances, uh-huh. heat pumps. You know, what do you say to now the families to this. who simply can't afford this stuff in the first place? Listen to this answer. Well, number one, for your home, yes, there are significant incentives in this bill, which is great to reduce people's energy costs on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. So 
If you are low income, you can get your home entirely weatherized through the expansion from the bipartisan infrastructure law, a significant expansion. You don't have to pay for anything. If you want uh, heat pumps, insulation, new windows, that is covered. If you are moderate income, today you can get 30% off the price of solar panels. Those solar panels can be financed, so you don't have to have the big out outlay at the front. And when they're financed, they're oh, financed to the, in a way that reduces your energy bill, even though you have solar panels. With this 30% off, it's a significant significant incentive. Same thing with if you are if you don't qualify for the weatherization program, you will be able to starting next year get rebates on the the appliances and equipment that will help you reduce your monthly energy bill by up to 30%. This is all about reducing costs for people. I mean, rejoice everyone. Rejoice in energy utopia. Yes. Right, Rick? Yeah. So she wants you to take the advice from the government that takes that, that spends money it doesn't have and gets into more debt. They want you to do the same thing. Money you don't have. Hey, you know what? You get 30% off. 30% of money I don't have is still money I don't have. And what so they, they want you to go into more debt. What they don't tell you on the solar scam to put the panels on your house is you got, your credit's got to be about... What's the highest credit score? 800? Yeah, At least 820 something. or something. Yeah, yeah. you got to have like 850 <laughs> to even qualify. to the hour live from studio 6b on a monday night it's gonna be a good week so on friday i said um we played that song that the um viewer sent in of course you all know how much i love country music and try to play a little bit here and there but i love to play great country music that we've never heard of or up-and-coming bands or just new new sounds to me and i said something on friday about if you know send me great stuff i'll play it um and a bunch of you sent a bunch of great stuff that I listened to. I'm going to try to work into the show for our music in and out. Bumper music in and out of the show, which I know a lot of you write me about. And Fran does a fantastic job of programming it. And we're, so we'll try to work some of these songs in. So our friend Michael Curtis um, sent me a new song that he's written and produced. And of course, he's been on the show and we did the uh, don't uh, don't die for a lie or live and mm -hmm. all those great songs and we played that other one that he I absolutely love what's it called where the country where the uh what's it called friend where'd the country go i think i would know how much where I love did the it. country all go yes love that <laughs> so he sends me a song and of course we're talking about these elections and of course president trump has always used lee greenwood which i great obviously one of the all-time great songs ever most iconic Americana thinking about the flag and the country and all that. So he sent me this song and I want just, I want to get your reaction because I think this should be a song for anybody running for office. Who's doing, who's doing, um, you know, going on stage and they need a song. I mean, I think this one fits the bill. What's this one called friend? God save the dream. God save the dream. Michael Curtis. 
Premier, I think this is the first time anyone's heard it other than me, probably maybe his friends. He gave me permission to play it. Fire it up, friend. Take a listen. I want to see the chat. Let me know. They came from every walk of life, different countries, race, and creed. To a land they called America, where a heart could chase a dream. They declared their independence, and with a constitution wrote, pass the dream on to the future with the power of the vote. Ah, but today's world's getting crazy. Now I'm not opposed to a little change. But we're losing our foundation, pointing fingers, laying blame. We've got folks not even standing for our anthem and our flag. Go on. As for me, I'll never treat her like she's some worthless rag. I pledge allegiance to old glory. Forever may she wait for those who fight for freedom, who want to see it safe. For those who love America, God save the dream. All right, friend, that's good. There's your first there's your first verse and chorus. How yeah. good is that? Yeah, you know what? I, I was picturing a, a campaign rally where somebody's walking up and down on the stage, kind of waving at everybody before they get started. I can see that as a great opening song. I mean, how good is that song? How good is that? First of all, the vocal on it is tremendous. I don't know who that vocal is. I mean, kind of. Remi- I mean, it's a couple country guys that it reminds me of. Um, but I mean, how good and strong and powerful is that? Yeah, friend, you like that? Seriously, t- you, seriously, isn't that you like that? Actually, I did like this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm. I'm a pretty tough music. Uh, got my degrees in it, so I mean, I. I, I mean, I know. Gee, remember when we? <laughs> remember when we used to do? Um, What's it called? Albert Million Seller. Million Seller. Uh, come on, there were some songs that I put on Million Seller before they even hit the radio that went on to be number one in like a month after that, didn't I? Yeah, there was a few. There was a few hits that uh, <laughs> yeah. that we uh, stumbled on. Yeah. Oh man, and a few. Was... Uh, well, not hits. <laughs> <laughs> a few million sellers. Yeah, the million copies in the seller, which was the whole point of it. Was it going to be a million seller? on the charts or was the artist going to have a million copies in their cellar, <laughs> which was the point of the segment. But I think that's pretty good. I mean, I think that's, if you're a candidate and you're looking to not use Lee Greenwood, which is fine. I mean, it's great, but a little something more up to date with what's going on in the world right now. I mean, that just fits the bill. I think, I mean, the chat obviously thinks it's, I mean, every one of these is a, it's just a home run. Tell Trump to give it some exposure. I mean, it doesn't have to even have to be Trump. That's fine. I mean, President Trump, I think it would be great for him too, but anybody running. So if you're running for office out there and you're watching the show and you want to use it, get just send me an email, lfs6b at yahoo.com. I'll put you in touch with Michael Curtis. So you guys can 
whatever. I'm, I think he's happy to let you use it. So LFS6B at yahoo.com, LFS6B at yahoo.com. If, you, if you're running for office or you want to use it. So, man, I think it's great. All right, let's do some sports for a wrap it up in here with that. Slick Rick, what's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D, real quick. Steve Torrance gets his first victory this year at Lucas Oil NHRA Nationals. AP report, Brainford, Minnesota, four-time defending top fuel champion Steve Torrance raced to his first victory of the season Sunday, defending his event win at Brainerd International Raceway in the 40th annual Lucas Oil NHRA, beating eight-time season champ Tony Schumacher in the final round. Torrance picked up his 52nd victory and his first since November with a run of 3.866 seconds at 322 miles an hour and uh, a great race. And anyway, let me get to this story. Big D going from hot rod to this is a perfect segue. Police investigating alleged sex act during Mariners vs. Athletics game. This is Zach Wasink at a yard barker. The Oakland Athletics defeated the Seattle Mariners 5-3 in Sunday's game held at Ring Central Coliseum, but it appears the day's most memorable event may have had nothing to do with the action on the field. According to TMZ Sports, police have confirmed they are investigating allegations that a couple engaged in a sex act in the stands during the game. A person at the venue shared a video of the supposed act on social media and that clip has been viewed nearly 2 million times as of Monday afternoon. It's well over 2 million now, I can assure you. The Oakland Police Department was not alerted to this until after the game and we have inv- initiated an investigation. Oakland Department uh, Police Department spokesman said in a statement shared by TMZ, if the couple is ultimately charged and convicted, they could receive, receive up to 6 months in jail and or a fine of up to $1,000. The victory improved Oakland to an awful 45 and 77 and the athletics began Monday holding the worst record in the entire American League uh, but uh Per ESPN, Oakland is dead last in the league in attendance. 9,500 spectators per contest. My own gut feeling is if this case actually goes to trial, it will likely end in a hung jury. And it was at the Ring Central Stadium, so perhaps it was a call girl. I don't know. That's a rapid sports, Big D. Well, Back to you. you got it. Trying to hit home runs no matter how. Exactly. Do. Hey, Frank, can we go out with a little more of that? Can we pick it up where we left it off? I programmed that already. All right, so I'll, that's fine. You can I'll just tell me when you got it queued up. So we'll... Uh, um, Michael Curtis, I mean, the response has been overwhelming here in the chat. So obviously, um, people, uh, people like it. Yeah. Good Someone stuff. said it brought in the tears. Here's a little more of it. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks guys on the show. Thanks G. Thanks Fran. Thanks to Michael Curtis for sending this in. I like it. We'll see you tomorrow night, live from Studio 6B. Which were immigrants became Americans when a dream is all they had. Hey, we're still the land of opportunity for those who understand. We pledge allegiance to old glory. Forever may she wait. Save the dream.